Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Kane and STL podcast. This is Pastor Daniel Carr here again with Pastor Martin Winslow. And this is brought to you by Kane and Baptist Church, where we exist to connect you to what matters most, to God, to people, and to purpose. Well, Martin, today we're talking about moms, you know, just coming off of Mother's Day and uh, moms are so valuable. We're going to start with a biblical conversation mm-hmm. about, um, you know, great moms in the Bible. You know, this past week, um, Chad Hodges talked to, to Daniel 3 and looked at, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, and the fact, you know, what kind of mom had, what kind of mothers did they have to have to, for them to have that kind of faith, even as older teenage boys, to stare the greatest, most powerful man in the world and say, we are not bowing down. Right? Yeah. Love that story. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Yeah. But there's so many just amazing mothers in the Bible that we can just use as, you know, examples for our mothers today, mothers that uh, in the Bible that could encourage our moms. And so, um, you know, we, just here before the podcast, we're just talking about a few of those. And, um, of course, you have the first mother comes to mind is Mary, the mother of Christ. And um, she's talked about it a lot. Well, let's talk maybe about more of the lesser known moms throughout the Bible. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say that Mary's overrated. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, she did She's birth the overrated. Son of God. That's right. Um, you know, you'd mentioned when we were talking before the podcast started about Jochebed. Why don't you kind of articulate yeah, a little so bit about Jochebed? Um, she's only mentioned by name once in the Bible, but she's present quite a bit. She's the mother of Moses. And so she is the one who gave birth to Moses and defied the Egyptian pharaoh and government, which at that point in time had decreed that all Hebrews, who were slaves at the time, had to cast their their male children into the Nile River and drown them to, you know, stop the rising population. Um, so she defied that, and so she kept Moses. She, you know, she just kind of knew that there was something special about him. Plus, he was her her son, her baby, and so she's the one that you know put together this little this little basket. The word there is ark, interestingly, an ark of bulrushes and put infant Moses into the bulrushes and sent him down river. And he was followed by his sister Miriam. And uh, of course, when he comes into Pharaoh's, as the Lord would sovereignly have it, he just kind of drifted down the river and into like a little outlet bay right at the back of Pharaoh's palace where Pharaoh's own daughter sees baby Moses and wants to take him as her own. And at that point in time, she asked the question, well, who will nurse this baby? And Miriam, who's following, says, I know someone who can and goes against Jochebed. So Jochebed is able to raise Moses in the palace of Pharaoh and pours in him. And we know that Moses knew who he was. He knew he was Hebrew. He knew the stories. He knew about the one true God. And how is that? Because his mother, Jochebed, was able to raise him and pour into him faithfully. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great, great story. It's a great, it is, she's a great mom. It is a great story. Can you, I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what was going on in Asia a few years ago with the one child policy. Yeah, right? that's right. You've got this mom who ends up pregnant, who knows the decree that's come down from Pharaoh, and she's got to act in faith to even carry this child. She does it. Speaking of children, you know, what about what's going on with the Supreme Court right now? Maybe we can come back to that. Wow. Yeah, right? No Similar kidding. situation. But she goes ahead and in faith puts this child in the Nile, not knowing what's going to happen. And then God, by his goodness, and just think of all the women that could have been called to nurse the baby. Yep. His own mother yeah. comes back from the Pharaoh's daughter and nurses. I mean, 
it's really an incredible story. It is. Like when Absolutely. you parse out all the details yep. of this mom and yep. God blessed her. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's a, who's another good one that you can kind of think of? Another good mom off the top well, of your head. Well, you know, you. so interesting. This is not the the popular scholastic view, but um, when we talk about amazing women, Proverbs 31 comes to mind, which is a powerful passage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is probably done on Mother's Day more than any other passage. So it's, it's done a lot. But, you know, it's um, that, that Proverbs 31 is written, and according to Proverbs, it's written by Lemuel, right? Yeah. Well, there is a segment of Jewish scholarship that believes Lemuel is Solomon. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, now this is, this is, Really interesting. So, therefore, Solomon here writes about his mom, which is Bathsheba, the same woman caught in adultery with David years before. Yeah. So, what? I mean, we don't know if that's absolutely true or right, but what if that is? What a what mm. a great story that Bathsheba went. What a great story of redemption that sure. she went from being the the woman caught in adultery with with David, yeah, to being the woman who is most preached about on Mother's Day. Yeah, you know, that's that's a great point too and I've I've heard this before from women. Let let's let's suppose okay. that that is true. Yep. Yep. I've heard of a lot of uh in the past a lot of women say don't compare me to that Proverbs 31 woman. She's just out. there's no way. Right. But when you think about it in the larger context, if that is true and it is Bathsheba, wow. Like you said, talk about redemption. Like, of mm, course, yeah. Transformation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and God's goodness in it. You know, another another mom that, um, you know, is is unique, and I think a, a good mom, but it is kind of a strange story in the Old Testament, is the story of Hannah mm. and her dedicating of, of Samuel. If you remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she can't have a child. Yeah. Right? And she begs God. She's at the tabernacle. She's, she's begging the Lord to give her a child. Eventually, he does. And then... She leaves the child with Eli at the tabernacle to sacrifice. What do you mm. think about that? Mm. It's a great story of love and, and commitment to the Lord. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we we really want something, whether it's a child or whether it's a, a spouse or, you know, we just want, we, we yearn. Abraham wanted a son, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when we get what we've longed for, to have the kind of love for the Lord and worship for the Lord, to then turn around and be ready to immediately give that back. That just shows a, an open-handedness yeah. towards the Lord that is Incredible to be commendable by anyone and yeah. everyone, right? With Abraham, it was he was called to sacrifice Isaac, and he, he was ready to do it. He had the knife lift the air, ready to let the knife drop, and the angel stopped his hand. Hannah yearned. I mean, she'd been ridiculed by uh, Elkanah's other wife, um, yeah. Penina, for, for, you know, Years probably, yeah. and just constant day in and day out, feeling like I'm a lesser woman because in that culture, you were you were defined by your children as a woman, and so for her that was just such a struggle. But you know, but to have all of that answered, but then immediately just after weaning, turn around and give the child back to the Lord. Yeah, that's incredible love and devotion. It, and it is, yeah. and and Samuel's kind of a prototype for Jesus. We parse this out yeah. in our book, the seventh yeah. birthday. Yeah. So you see a lot of parallels, even with like Mary and Joseph forgetting mm. Jesus back at the temple, right? <laughs> yeah, and and leaving him, and he's in his father's house, yeah. and he grows in the wisdom stature, and you know, with the Lord, like there's some real neat parallels that you could unpack as well there. You know, another mom <clears throat> that I think it's interesting is is to bring up is is Sarah. Mm. Right, Sarah is ninety years old 
when she gives birth to Isaac. Yeah, and this wasn't when people were living hundreds of years. This right. was this was pretty close to us. Yeah. Now, can you imagine her crawling around on the floor with little baby Isaac? Oh my. Or nursing little baby Isaac at Goodness. ninety years old. So my mom's ninety one. So that is a <laughs> that's a very scary image. <laughs> a very scary image. Yeah. 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 I mean typically, right? You get on the floor and you're ninety, you ain't getting back up off the floor. That's exactly right. And yeah. so crawling around like in the nursery with Isaac, that's a... Yeah, my mom in the floor, that's 911. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's but we don't think of it that way. You're right. You know? You're right. But an amazing story. It is. What about your mom? Tell me a little bit about her. Like, you know, talking oh, about yeah, amazing moms. My mom, she's a, she's a, a great God story, you know. Um, she, she was born in 1930, so right at the onset of the Great Depression. Um, her grandfather was... He, he did well financially but her parents were they struggled financially they weren't like poor poor like my dad's family was they were pretty poor but but mom grew up in that and they really didn't go to church much you know there was like a little methodist church which still stands today it's like a little one room building um very classical country looking church in the hills of east tennessee but um it was it was less than a mile away so she would walk to that little methodist church as a kid um when she was walking to church, she just told me the story um, this past weekend. It's great. But she was just walking to church one day. She was 15 years old, and she just felt this overwhelming conviction that she needed to go to a different church because there was something she wasn't hearing. So that's all she kind of talked about. So she went past that. So that Sunday morning, she went past the Methodist church about another half a mile to the Baptist church, Bethel Baptist Church. And she said there she really heard the gospel for the first time. And so she trusted Christ um, about the same time that my dad did. My dad had just started going to that same church, completely independent of each other, right? And so they were both baptized in the creek right outside the church. And um, I mean, they'd known each other, but uh, through school and whatnot locally, but that's where they really got to know each other was at church. And so anyway, so my mom started going there. And, you know, within two years, um, she's teaching kids Sunday school, the age of 17. And then she um, she goes back and she starts telling her parents about what she's learned about the gospel. And so her mom was a believer, but her dad was not. <clears throat> and so her mom and dad both started going to the Baptist as well as her, as her younger sibling. She's the oldest of five. And so the whole family starts going to Bethel Baptist church. Her dad gets saved. Her younger sister gets saved. Her two brothers get saved. And it's just wow. really a, a yeah. neat story. And so my mom taught Sunday school, whether to kids or adults from the time she was 17 until she was 87 years old. Wow. Yeah. That is an incredible story. Wow. Yeah. It's a really cool God story. You know, my <clears throat> so my mom was I guess she was in her early she'd been in her early twenties and lived in California, grew up there her whole life. And um she she was actually a part of um Chuck Smith's church, mm. Calvary Chapel. Yep. And she heard the gospel there and became born again. And she was already in a situation where she was in a marriage where my father wasn't a believer, and now she was a new believer. And um, just a few years later, they'd had you know four kids. I was the last of four, and they moved here to Missouri. And during that whole time, even though my dad wasn't a believer, she kept growing in her faith. And um, and so we end up back here in Missouri because of a job change with my father. And um, he eventually abandoned the family, but she was left here with all four of us in Missouri. And so we were raised here. But during that time, she worked two, three jobs, took care of us, always kept us in church, though. What a lady. And, um, yeah, by God's grace, um, you know, I was able to be exposed to the gospel. 
um, over and over and over again in good relationships. The little church we I grew up at, uh, Little Nazarene Church in Esther, Missouri, those people um, were good to us. They would bring us groceries. They would just take care of us. Um, even whenever I was just a brat, didn't have a dad around. Like I had a lot of dads. Those those Wait, guys. Little Martin was a brat. Oh, buddy, yeah, unthinkable. <clears throat> and 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 listen, <laughs> their theology wasn't that good. That that was the only problem, right? The right. Nazarene, right. They, the the pastor's wife every Sunday would take me up to get saved again. <laughs> She's like, it didn't work this last week. So I would say all the right words, you know, but I I didn't believe it until yeah. later. I was seventeen, but anyway, just a, a great story. She's seventy four now. Um, got to see her over Mother's Day. We we drove down to Farmington and visited mm-hmm. them. It was a great time. She's she's always been my biggest fan. You know, yeah, she's great. Yeah, there's just. So much going on. I mean, it's always been hard to be a mom. Being a mom is such a tough job. Mm. Um, but it's, it seems like it's getting even harder with everything culture's throwing to our kids and the uh, just the, the collision of so, such ungodly worldviews and ideologies that are just being, you know, kind of forced on our kids through media, through peers, through, you know, even school boards and systems and educations and uh, there's just so much, you know, entertainment, Disney. I mean, good grief. Everywhere you go, it's just un, unbiblical ideologies. And so there's never been a time when moms were any more important than they are right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, <clears throat> you know, like you're saying, it, it is interesting. It's, you know, there's 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 a couple different ways to look at it. So here's the culture. It's without, it's Christless, Right. And so to get mad at the culture is not the right, right. attitude for Absolutely. us. They're, they're the mission field. Yep. Okay. So to be angry about it or angry at, at these people who act this way or, yep. or, or, you know, that's not the right response for us. Yeah. That's we right. look at them like sheep without a shepherd, yep. right? With compassion. And we know that they need the gospel. And at the same time, we have to have this realization too. It's like, taking a, a piece of bread, right, and you're getting ready to put some peanut butter all over it, there's only one time you lay that foundation. Mm-hmm. A pe- like, And once it's filled in all the cracks, it is what it is. And with our young people at the same time, we have to be diligent as Christian parents to protect them and lay that right foundation because once it's down, it's not coming back off that bread, you know? Yeah, right. And so, <clears throat> so the right way is to raise our kids with a healthy understanding of who Christ is, of truth, and at the same time, make sure that they understand that's not the enemy. Yep. These are people who are in spiritual darkness, just like we were Absolutely. at one time, and need to come to life. Yeah, that's right. And so... And that's why it's, I'm just, you know, I'm so just thankful for so many, like in our church and other believers not in our church, who, you know, see their calling is to be in different positions in the culture to be the light. Right. You know, whether it's... We have public school teachers. We have those in school boards. We have those involved in local government. You know, that's they're just true heroes, taking the gospel into those hard areas to be lights, and for the sake of the gospel, and also for the sake of families and kids yeah. uh, who are believers but are still part of our culture, right? Right. So yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw even this morning. I'd posted a little article that I read on Facebook about a teacher in Kansas that um, you know um, was. They were trying to force this teacher to use the wrong pronouns for a young child. Mm. And this lady just said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. That's harmful to this kid. Well, yeah. now it's embroiled into a a big debate. Um, you know, she's there's people getting sued and everything else over it. But this Christian teacher couldn't go against her conscience, yeah. not because she's 
angry with this kid or anything like this kid's lost and this family's lost, right. but because she has to be a light. And, mm-hmm. and so it's getting increasingly hard to be a light. It is, absolutely. Um, without being attacked for being that light. But we do have a lot of people. I, I was even talking to one of our members here that's just in the business field, and they were telling me how, how um, you know, the, the ideology um, that's coming through, even in business, mm-hmm. uh, to pamper certain groups and all this identity politics and stuff is really just pushing in on them. And so he's trying to have this proper balance of what does it mean to be a believer and to tell the truth and not go against my conscience. Yeah. And at the same time, not create a bunch of people who are mad at me all the time. That's right. You know? Yeah, that's and right. So it's going to be hard. It is. Absolutely. You know? So just as we have some closing thoughts here, what, uh, what counsel would you give the moms that listen, um, how to stay the course, how to continue to dig in and yeah. fight the fight, and for the sake of our kids. Yeah, I think I think a lot of moms today in the culture they think of like cell phones, media devices, all these things our kids are overwhelmed with, and they they think you know, man, how do I fight against all of this mm. um, that's going into my kids' minds? And I I think it's just important for us to remember that. <clears throat> You know, you've got to stay the course with the, with the gospel. You have to be the kind of mom that's a safe place for your kids to make mistakes so that you can share the gospel. If you're not a safe place, no one's going to confess anything to you. That's right. And so you've got to be that place where they can come and receive the healing touch of the gospel. And I, and I think being an example to the best of your ability, we're going to mess it up at some points, but just to stay that course and continue to be faithful and then just trust God. I mean, he loves our kids more than we do. Mm-hmm. They're in his hands. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we can we can always know this. He's going to do what's right with them. That's right. And so that's what I would encourage our moms to remember today. Good word. It's a good word. Well, I know Mother's Day was this past Sunday. So I hope all of you moms that are listening had a happy Mother's Day. And for everyone else, thanks for tuning in to Canaan STL Podcast. Um, we'll look forward to meeting with you again next week. Have a blessed week and see you next time on Kane and STL.